0: Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast Podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's
1: get groovy.
2: What's going on, Groovaholics? You just heard Dionysus Assismus by Black Glasses. Black Glasses is just one project that is part of Evil Bubble Productions. I have Kyle Oliver and Jordan of Evil Bubble on the show. And you're going to hear a lot more about these guys going forward, um, a great new multimedia production team, and uh, they're ultimately a collective of musicians from Western New York with a shared goal and vision of pushing the boundaries of sound and genre into new and unexplored territories. You're going to love it. Here's me with Kyle, Oliver, and Jordan of Evil Bubble. <music> Welcome everyone to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am here with the team at Evil Evil Bubble. I've got Kyle, Oliver, and Jordan of Evil Bubble. And yeah, again, I'm really excited to have you guys on today.
3: Excited to be here, man. It's going to be great.
2: Just to get started, um, I guess, you know, if you want to take turns introducing yourselves, just because I got three guests so people can see the face and hear the voice.
3: Awesome. Well, I'm Kyle. Uh, I play drums and I do other stuff and sing and play guitar and stuff. And I've been in groups like Acid Rain Dance, and they've played around Rochester and such. And I ran into these bozos. They They took me on. They adopted me. And then the whole coronavirus thing happened to everybody, and we just kind of like... Started making music online, needed a needed an excuse to release it all, and vis-a-vis, ergo, here we are. Uh,
0: so, I'm Jordan. Uh, I play keyboards. I've been playing music with Oliver for the better part of 11, 10, uh, 10 yeah. 11 years. It's
4: better part of a decade.
0: Freshman year of high school, and we've played in a bunch of different bands Um, and right now we're working St. Vith. Kyle's the drummer, Oliver's guitar, I'm keyboards, and, uh, yeah, I've just been doing that, and actually the Evil Bubble thing is kind of more of a brainchild between uh, these two guys, Oliver and Kyle. They kind of hatched this idea in, like,
4: two nights, and then we're like, hey,
0: we're making a record label and stuff.
4: Awesome. Awesome. Um, I'm Oliver. Um, I am the songwriter, uh, singer, guitar player for... St. Beth, uh, co-songwriter for Black Glasses, and um, songwriter for my own solo stuff, and I suppose co-creator of um, Evil Bubble.
2: Good stuff. Good stuff. And again, I'm excited to have you guys on today. Um, We all got a lot to learn about, ultimately, Starting something in the midst of a virus, you know, finding opportunity during a crazy time, building your own website, building your own record label, bringing bands together. So, I'm sure this is going to be a fun conversation. Kind of, and first, I want to drop a disclaimer I've had a sore throat the past few days. So, if I'm coughing and stuff, I just wanted to let everybody know in advance I wouldn't, I refuse to not do this. I still wanted to do it, but I've got a bad throat. I'm under a combination of like cold medicine and uh, this like multivitamin called alpha brain, which is supposed to be great for memory, clarity, you know, just make you smart. So I'm like this weird in between of like a cold medicine high. And like as chipper as possible. So if I act a little crazy, I just want to let pe- let everybody know in advance that that's happening. Um, I guess to get started, what is an evil bubble? Uh, an evil
3: bubble is a thing that you come up with when you don't want to spend a ton of time naming things. Because you already spent a lot of time naming things in your life. And you're sick of it. <laughs> It may also be closely linked to the dirty bubble from SpongeBob. If anybody remembers that, if you grew up watching SpongeBob, so I mean that's that.
4: Uh, no 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 link there no link there at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I guess beginning to end on the uh, evil bubble thing. So we had um, we had the band Saint Beth. And we had music to do because we lost what forty some odd shows this summer, and we wanted to get into the studio and keep pushing out music. And what ended up happening is we wanted a central platform to release everything under. Um, everybody has their own projects. Um, Jordan and Kyle have at Antibody Pirates. Kyle and I have White Glasses. We have Saint Vith brought on bands as we went along so it's not just the members of saint vith now but we wanted the central platform and then this idea kind of grew at as the bubble and the bubble became this idea and mentality of being truly local and it's not um just being local it's the mentality of being local so it doesn't matter if you're in london or san francisco or rochester you have the mentality of local and that, that's kind of what the um, bubble has developed into. We're doing interviews and um, releasing singles every Friday of various projects and everything else. So this bubble is adapting and growing. Um, and, and I think that's the basis of the bubble is the more people who contribute to it, the bigger it's getting. And the more kind of oddity stuff we're doing, um, everything from video editing to Releasing music and delving into really, really weird kind of sides of ourselves and the music um, in the music world and our exploration. So everything contributes to the bubble, which kind of makes it evil, I suppose.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, we're not really evil. No, no it's kind of tongue in cheek. Just we're, we're nice guys.
3: Evil name <laughs> in name only.
2: In name only. Yeah, no, that's great. So you guys are basically hitting almost every multimedium. You're doing audio, you're doing the production, you're doing the video, you're doing interviews. Um, was this your brainchild from the start or where did it begin? I mean, you're listed as a, a recording studio company or how, how did this all, how did this become such a large multimedia project so quick? Well we just have a lot
3: of interest and we also have access to some things that others might not have and we wanted to facilitate access to other people as well. Like a nice recording studio, this place, Windfall Recordings, a really high quality place in um in Hammondsport, New York. Uh, some really nice high quality video editors that are good friends with us and yeah. Oliver, you have anything to add there?
4: I yeah, so um, so so we have windfall, which is it, it's its own brainchild of uh, a guy named Ben Ridley, a very very good friend of ours. So he's got this, you know, true professional studio up on the hill in Hammondsport that nobody knows about. That's there and usable, and we became really good friends with him. So that was kind of this hub break off of like you know, we can actually do this and we can actually utilize the space to develop and do things and do things weird. and To
3: the highest so quality for, as well.
4: Yeah, it, yeah, to the highest quality. So it, it's just sort of been that progression of, so we have something that you can't get everywhere. You, you know, everybody's got a home studio, everybody can do that, but you don't have the 35 years of experience of, somebody being able to listen and go, well, you know, why don't you do this? Or you can do this. Why don't we record it like this? Why don't we sing into a five gallon bucket and see what happens and then run it through a fender amp with a booze driver through it. And then you have vocals through a fender amp and a booze driver and the backtrack of all of your weird stuff. So, so having that um, hub kind of develops the ability for the bubble to grow and then you know you get into um, just necessities, I guess. Um, video editing, I, how you play in the modern day market, you have to have videos.
3: Videos so, for every song, pretty much, that would be. Yeah,
4: and, and you have to be releasing singles and you have to be constantly putting out music, which is one of those things that's kind of a here and or there you can agree with or you don't have to, but when you have all these projects working, you have a bunch of singles and you have a bunch of things to work from. So you have that as a um, media platform. So you have your singles, you have music, you have a recording studio that you can utilize. You have home studios that you can utilize. And then the mentality I think branched off into this, well, you know, we can take this platform and um, highlight people that normally wouldn't be highlighted. Yeah.
0: Use it to elevate them. It, it, exactly and and kind of to me the the marrying factor between all these different parts is sort of untapped potential so like like we said the studio is in the middle of nowhere and it's so under use um and so that's an untapped potential and then all of our shows got canceled and so we had all this music we wanted to do and get together and do stuff that we couldn't so we're all recording at home and sending stuff together that's all this untapped potential We kind of did that and then realized, like, you know, we we can take what we're doing already, like you said, extend it to other people and just elevate this untapped – there are so many talented people, I mean, everywhere, but, I mean, I love this region.
4: So around this region there are so many talented people that – And we just want to make sure they're highlighted. So we'll put in a bunch of work to make sure people are highlighted just as long as, you know, somebody reads or somebody listens to somebody – absolutely wouldn't it and so back to this kind of idea of um supporting local you can extend that into all of these multimedia platforms Mm -hmm. that are um can go to whatever extreme they want to and it's just really a central platform that's why it's the bubble you know it's this broad um it's kind of non-specific yeah but it really is specific and non-specific
3: And it kind of reaches to like every facet that you could imagine of music, because like we have the ability to help facilitate people getting their own merch. We have the ability to help facilitate people getting recording and video. We have the ability to help facilitate people getting their music onto streaming platforms. You know, what, what degree of direct impact this will have on all of us is uh, in our estimation really only set to grow in the future as hard as we go with the project, you know? So any us working with anybody is really a net positive we feel to us and anybody we work with because it's all local and it extends beyond music as well you know it extends to local small business and all sorts of things like that other labels like i have a friend that has a label we do some write-ups for uh your your buddy colin jones there we just did a big thing on him another local rochester artist examining his discography and giving him a chance to talk about all those things that maybe he'd wanted to talk about, but didn't really have the opportunity. So, uh, it's, it's cool stuff. We definitely have been enjoying it.
2: Yeah. By, by happenstance, I've had Colin Jones and, um, Adrian low tones, D'Angelo, both on the show. So, yeah. So, um, before I asked you guys, I didn't even know that you guys are doing write-ups on them when I asked you to come on the show. So that's just by coincidence, but you're you're ultimately elevating a lot of great musicians. And that's the best thing we can do, right? Give people a, a voice and elevate them. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. I actually just had Pete Mason on the show. He's one of the head publishers for NYSMusic.com. And one of the things I asked him is I was like, you know, what's happened now that they're – I mean, the core behind NYS Music is going to shows, doing write-ups, doing videography, photo, and he kind of actually – he put it in great perspective. He basically said, there's always something to write about. There's always people to elevate. They're writing about the history of music in New York and going back to like the legends of the New York music scene. And it really opens your mind that even though we can't go see live shows, there's still a tremendous amount of uh, opportunity to elevate musicians. How do people join the bubble i mean i assume it's not a bubble boy scenario where you're stuck in it and you can't get out and can't get in and i hope it's not like a soapy bubble scenario where as soon as you try to touch it it pops how do people actually you know join the bubble and help it expand what's the best way to get in touch is there certain things you're looking for how do people get involved with evil bubble um, really, all you have to do is want to, and your own level of of
3: involvement is um your own destiny you know that's seriously just up to whoever wants to work with us
4: yeah so i i that question was uh, asked to me by um I, a good friend of mine that we interviewed uh Bruno Brunicini, who's a fantastic songwriter from Jamestown area. Um, and he said, well, you know, how, how, how do I join the bubble? How do I be a part of the bubble? And it, it, it really made me think that like, you don't have to, we don't want anything from you. I, I, I suppose we just want you to be the best thing that you can be. So our whole platform or project or whatever is really just based upon people wanting to do things right you know to be a part of the bubble you just be a part of the bubble you you, you join in whatever fashion whatever way you want to you can always send us an email yeah um, for example if you want to be a part of the bubble so. we
0: can we can you know and also we we can offer you know a a very high grade studio for really reasonable price so the people can...
4: Evil bubble reco- prices, by the way.
0: Evil bubble prices, yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, get them to record a quality version of themselves and put it out there. I mean, we, we don't have distribution like Sony Records. Or we, we're a startup. We're yeah. grassroots, yeah. but we can put it on the streaming platforms that are available to everybody, but we can offer a really great studio experience to people and just get them out there. So, and and we're not going to sit there and ask like, oh, you have to be, you know, radio ready. You have to be so good and your music has to sound like this to be on the bubble because that's yes. what it's about. We
3: bubble can try to help about, you with your product, like make it, make it better, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. We, we can won't. help produce, but we're not going to, you yeah. Know,
3: yeah, We don't want to be controlling people who are trying to alter people's art. We just want to find art that we like and try to help people make the best version of it that they can
2: possibly make
3: you know, perfectly said.
2: Yeah. I love it. I love it. You guys are obviously very passionate about the project. Love music. I want to take 500 steps back and just ask the generic question, you know, why, why music? Every musician has a different story. What got you into music? What got you so into it and passionate? Do you have childhood memories, family members, mentors, shows you saw younger did, did it just kind of fall in your lap what got you guys into music so much I was
3: kind of born into it my dad was a real real talented um guitar player he only really played in cover bands but he was like definitely definitely a talent and uh so my he played and my brother played and it was kind of always just around the house so I mean I kind of just uh latched onto it, and then, you know, Guitar Hero came out when, we were, when I was, like, around 12 or something. And, I, and then I found punk rock, and then I was just, like, off to the races, man. And I found it to be a great, like, community builder, a great way to build friendship and with people, you know, a comfortable way to make friends. It's always been.
0: Um, I kind of found my start by happenstance, I remember when I would go to my like grandmother's house. She had a, a cheap little Casio um, keyboard, and she had all the all the notes labeled with like masking tape on them. And I I would for for whatever reason at every family gathering I'd find myself drawn to that, and I would just I would just I would just play it. I would sit there for hours and play. It. I didn't know what I was doing. I would just hit notes and play it. Um, and eventually, my grandparents bought me one. And It was one of those little Casios. I don't know if any if anybody out there knows, but it'll show it'll show you the little the it has a little keyboard on a screen, and it, it'll light up and it'll show you the notes to play. And so that kind of taught me how to play the notes. And then I had a couple great piano teachers in Jamestown. I mean, I, I had Joe Glarner. Um, he's actually a guitar player. Um, Steve Davis, um, amazing keyboard player. Was playing
4: with Miller and the other sinners. Yeah. Right? Miller and wow. the other
0: sinners. Check them out. They're, they're a great, great blues band. Um, he, he, uh, Steve Davis taught me a lot of what I know. And then I had Mark Alpa. also was a music teacher and a, a pianist in the area. Who's just
4: amazing, amazing people that I had to teach me to get me to where I am today. I, I kind of happened <laughs> into this world by accident. Um, I, I I was camping with my dad. Uh, well, it, So I'd, I'd been playing piano and stuff and Suzuki piano and all that stuff when I was younger. Um, and then I went camping with my dad and I got taught three chords on the guitar. And I played for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And hours. Uh, didn't learn a lot of theory, learned a lot of stuff by ear. And then out of necessity, I think for myself, I began writing and i uh, which is uh, i i think a big difference between like jordan and i jordan with the music side and i with the songwriting side and
0: i learned a lot of theory yeah a lot and And he didn't but he can still write a better song
3: (laughs) i feel like i kind of walk the line between these two individuals (laughs) and that's like
4: that's
0: really true that's yeah,
4: and, and, and I think that's why we all work so well together. We we, we kind of fill gaps that um, each of us not lacks in, but um, we all had different focuses. Um, my focus was in writing and um, more the feel of something, but maybe not the modal feel or the note feel, but the actual feel of something. Um, Jordan's of course, was in modal field. <laughs> um, and Kyle's fills in all the things that we, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. We He said he was a drummer and he's the drummer, but really he's, he's an excellent guitar player. Excellent guitar player and very, very good ear for Melody too.
3: Except Mr. Quinton. Quinton Olex is the guitar player. Of the oh, wow. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's not, he's not, not, not here for He has to be mentioned because he's kind of a shredder type guy.
2: Yeah. Love it. I, I think we'd be doing the audience a disservice if we didn't play them some tunes. So we should get one started. Um, let's see what we have here. So do you guys want to do Gin, Antibody Pirates? Do you want to tell us a little bit about this track? Sure. Jordan, give him the rundown, man.
0: Okay. So a- Antibody Pirates is Kyle and I. Um, And it's basically both of us at home, Kyle recording and making beats and stuff at home and me recording and making beats and stuff at home and literally just shooting dozens of times back and forth over Google Drive, all these files and and just compiling and and collaborating that way. And uh, so Antibody Pirates itself is kind of our journey into the genre of, uh, I'd call it like indie pop, which... I've never done anything with, but our common interests in the way Kyle makes beats, because Kyle is in charge of like a, a good chunk of the rhythm. It falls into that genre. Um, and so this song was made just that same way. And Kyle kind of sent me the basis to a track. I listened to what he had going on. I put some additional harmonies over it, just, just expanded it a little more. And Kyle... Took off with the melody and the whole thing. Sent it over to me, and I mixed the rest of the song, mixed the vocals, added some fun little harmonies in there. Um, You're
3: going to hear a lot of production that Jordan did, though. He did a lot of like neat production tricks on the track, and really made it sound um made it sound cool, man.
4: Smooth, <laughs> <laughs> man. That's very
0: yeah. Fun. It was a fun track to make. It's actually it's actually not too complicated, but it was definitely fun and a lot of back and forth. Again, the whole COVID thing. We were at home just shooting stuff back and forth. Kind of I love, a child of that.
2: I love, I mean, with postal service and lots of bands going on forever, people have been recording stuff through the mail, through the internet. But I'm so excited how COVID, everybody's collaborating online and doing things that they hadn't done before. So it's a digital renaissance digital renaissance and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm excited let's listen to gin by antibody pirates
5: When I've been holding on. Might go back again all the night. Sweeping through the street all the time. Keeping you from sleep. If somebody said slow down. That's when she comes around. Like sunglasses. With satisfaction. Everyone she sees In these in streets Staring at their Satisfaction huh. Check into a dream over time. I'm making you complete. Won't let her take me in. And that's when she leaves me thin. Acting drastic. Uh, uh, satisfaction. And everyone retreats to those confessing streets. You're never lacking. Uh, uh, satisfaction.
0: Rochester Groovecast Podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as see-first to keep in touch with everything
1: new. Now, back to the show.
2: Awesome.
3: It's a radio-length track for sure. Even Mm -hmm. like a 1963 radio-length
2: track. Yeah. It's a fun, short one. I, I feel the indie pop vibe. I like it. It's catchy. Hey, thanks, my man. I got her. I got it humming in my head still. Nice. I almost feel like you got to keep it on a loop for another minute or two just to extend it a little bit because it is that catchy. Saxophone
3: solo, maybe?
0: It, yeah, it did, yeah. It, did, it did come in a little short. I mean, the way it was kind of written and the beat and everything, it was kind of two parts. Kyle sent me, you know, beat with this chord progression beat this chord progression and we expanded on it and so we had verse chorus verse chorus <laughs> it's a pretty basic setup for a song but there,
3: there is an antibody pirates ep coming out eventually uh it's on the schedule and so we may readdress things like that you know antibody pirates currently has two singles out so you may hear them change
6: version.
3: yeah music is iterative <laughs> now you know Music has patches and updates now, too, just like software, video games, and all that kind of stuff. Movies.
2: You've got a sax
3: player in the bubble
2: that could add one of those sexy sax solos.
3: <laughs> we know a couple, but we also use Fiverr a lot. I want to preach the gospel of Fiverr for a second, mm. if that's all right. Yeah. Fiverr's amazing. Go on Fiverr. You can hire like professional musicians to play specific parts for like 5 five, ten $10 at a time. It's ridiculous. So we have this plug for Diego. We have this guy from Brazil named Diego that we always hire, and he's a trumpet player. He's like a trumpet professor down there, so he's like a freaking expert, Mm. but he just plays. He'll play anything on the trumpet for you if you want. So go on there. Go find Diego. We'll play on
4: Fiverr. (laughs) The world should know Diego.
3: (laughs) He kind of looks like Chuck Mangione. And he he also plays. He can play flugelhorn if you want.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I love Fiverr, and for example, I got my resume done on Fiverr. I've been on Fiverr for a lot of things, um, but never have I outsourced music. For Diego, for example, do you have to send him sheet music, or do you just send him a beat and he just solos on it? Like, How does that work?
3: Well, it can work any way you want, really. Like, If I wanted him to play, or any person to play a specific part, you could send him a chart, yeah, but... Generally, what we do is just like, here, Diego, we're thinking like this key, this feel, maybe this type of scale, just like play a solo or play this figure, and there will be like a little recording of the figure. So it's like all pretty much like consummate professionals, like they can do whatever they want you to do, whatever you want them to do with minimal minimal input on
2: your end, really. It's cool. And another thing that just came to mind is on Fiverr, I... I had a rapper basically write a song for my brother and all I had to do was give him like a paragraph of information and he writes a beat and a song with rhymes and flow and yeah, so shout out for Fiverr for being the probably the coolest site online. I even own I own stocks in them. Long so, with Fiverr. Good investment. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um so I kinda wanna take A lot of these projects we've mentioned, and it's kind of jumbled. I kind of want to bring it all together because it seems like between the three of you, you're in like 500,000 projects. Can we break down, you know, currently what everyone's working on and then maybe a little bit of a blast from the past to kind of talk about what brought you guys to where you are today?
0: Sure. Oliver, go ahead, man. Oh, uh, ahead, I just want to preface this real quick, actually, with mm. um, uh, antibody pirates, uh, black glasses, um, DCK transplant, and uh, um, Cat panic. Cat panic. Yes, all of these are pretty much born out of out of COVID. You know, these are all kind of work from home style projects that we have. You know, me and Kyle, Oliver and Kyle. Um, yeah. Kyle's in all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's all Kyle. It's I'm really in a striking
2: amount, amount of them. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle is the COVID king. Also, oh, man, king. I'm
3: the king of COVID. I've had the test. Ben's had the test. It's not a fun test, guys. Stay home.
0: No, I don't recommend having I've had it done twice. I don't recommend. Um, but yeah, yeah. So just to preface that, these these more these projects that are on the bubble are are more recent iterations of just their kind of home. Mm-hmm style projects
4: and home base is kind of st vith um full circle home base is home base is the vith uh that that's our gigging band that's what we do when we're out um that is what has gotten the most well simply because we've been doing it for so long has gotten the most backing um but st vith is our base um at least for me uh for Kyle, when Acid Rain Dance was still together, it, Kyle and Quentin were Acid Rain Dance and it was us with St. Beth. And that's kind of become the center base. And all the projects that have bounced off of that are just us really exploring different iterations of ourselves. So it's not really like we're working on one specific thing as we move forward. It's we're working on all of these things together
0: hmm yeah yeah there's a big focus on on, on content when, when you have a podcast or YouTube channel or some weird record label thingy as we have
4: <laughs> a weird um, there's label still an thingy. emphasis
0: on content and so we kind of populated it I mean with different iterations of ourselves and it's interesting that you know you break up St. Vith in different combinations You end up with these different styled projects, and and then we were lucky enough to pick up High Pines already. I mean, we're still in our infancy, really, and we picked up those guys, and they recorded some awesome tracks at the studio, and they put that out, and you will hear that some of that later too.
3: Yes. So to summarize, basically, I was I'm in Acid Rain Dance, which is like an active part of Evil Bubble as well. Me and Quentin from Acid Rain Dance uh, do Cat Panic as well. Quentin myself, Oliver, and Jordan are in St. Vith. then Black Glasses is me and Oliver and Antibody Pirates is me and Jordan. And I think that pretty much... Oh, they each have... These two guys also have solo material. Oliver has released some. Jordan hasn't released any yet through the bubble, but that's in the works. So, uh, also solo content is out there. Do
2: you guys do anything but music?
3: Yeah, I'm... Dude, I have so many hobbies. <laughs> Video games, like trading card games,
2: nerdy stuff like that. I love it. I love it. And you guys are pretty much all smart musicians, multi-instrumentalists, writers, playing different in- instruments, the whole ordeal. Absolutely. Is there any anything unique or weird that you don't know how to play? You know, any bucket list instruments or... You know, yeah. Bucket, bucket, yeah. you know, let's let's just stick it to instruments. Anything that you you wish you could play, or you'd yes. be like, "Oh, that'd be super cool if I could uh, learn that overnight." I can't
3: play brass. I can play mm-hmm. saxophone and like read an instrument, but I can't make a an acceptable tone on a brass instrument. That's my.
0: Answer. Uh, for me, actually, when we were up at the studio, I was helping out with Oliver's solo project, yet to be released, still being worked on. Look out for that. But I was uh, messing with an accordion. I'm a keyboard player. I've been, I've been playing piano for, oh, man, it's been
4: like since he was 16,
0: 16, 17 years. Um, and I picked up an accordion, and I was trying to play this thing, and I realized I could not play this thing. And, you know, I mean, even me as a musician, I knew there was more to it, but you still think, you know, keyboard, and you kind of move it back and forth to get the sound to come out. And there's just a million more things to it than that. It, it is it is a beast of an instrument, and I would really love to learn it. Um, you know, sometimes people kind of make fun of the accordion or don't give it enough appreciation, but there's a really beautiful sound you can get out of one, and that, that's actually kind of what we were doing in the studio. It you can get this really beautiful or, yeah. or powerful sound out of it. And I Jeff would really Buckley love to records. Fuckly. he has Check. some
3: good use of the accordion
0: great use of the accordion and the B30. consequently
3: yeah. Oliver does as well. Cause I've heard that song. It's a good song.
0: Oh, it's only getting
4: better. It is. <laughs> um, okay. I don't really have any goals in, uh-huh. in, in terms of instruments. Um, I like noodling on things. Um, I, I like the sounds and tonalities of things. I think instrument-wise, I really would like to have this collection of like a 100 different weird sounding things <laughs> um, that I just learned to hit the right part of or pull a certain way. Or I, I, I like found sounds, and the more I delve into my solo project, I'm like, I really like things that just sound interesting.
0: Mm. If you can make one good sound on an earhoo, it's worth buying an earhoo.
3: What's an ear who? Uh, That is an obscure one. I don't know what that is either. uh,
0: I believe it's a traditional Chinese instrument. I don't think it's Japanese-Chinese, but it's it's a single-stringed instrument, um, and it kind of has a uh, resonator head kind of bass um, similar to a banjo, actually, and it's bowed like a a, a violin, downward like a cello, but it's just the one string, and the pressure you apply to the string is how you kind of change the pitch.
2: Interesting instrument. Yeah. (laughs) Fun fact. Yeah. I was in the museum of world instruments in Arizona once, and it's literally like a two day endeavor to go through all the instruments from around the world and you can listen to them and watch videos. It's incredible how many instruments we don't even know about in Western culture. So it's definitely a lot of fun facts to learn. Um, well, great. Uh, you guys obviously are super engaged in different instruments, different music, playing in it, creating multiple groups with different styles on the fly. I, I like to ask this question because I'm always curious, you know, if someone was let's just say they're completely new to music and they don't know anything about it. I don't know in what world this would exist, but maybe they're younger. They're just interested in expanding beyond what they've heard on pop radio. Uh, What album would you gift them? And why would you choose the album that you choose to, to gift to them?
3: That's a good question, man. I would... My own personal taste, if they were somebody that wanted to get into something really strange, I would probably pass along like an Animal Collective album or something like that. I'm a big fan of that group. Um, If they wanted something more rooted in like tradition, I might pass down like a a Little Feet album, because I'm a big fan of them as well. Uh, If they wanted to learn about live music, I would pass them that Little Feet um, Waiting for Columbus album, one of the greatest live albums ever. Um, You know, The Grateful Dead is always good to to expose people to as well. You know, dark side of the moon is a, is a noob answer, but Hey man, like that, <laughs> that, that record sold so many copies for a reason. It just sounds so good out of your stereo. Totally. So if you had a nice stereo, I would recommend that album. Fellers.
0: Um, it, it's, it's really hard for me to say, because there's just, there's just so many albums I would love. And if somebody was so inexperienced that I could show them something, but, it's kind of a, ma- a matter of showing them something that wouldn't be, um, you know, over the top m- musically for them. Like I could say, oh, listen to some Coltrane's later stuff when he really got microtonal. Like I, but that's not a good intro to music. Space like, jazz. <laughs> yeah. Like Miles Davis' Bitches Brew. Like that's not... Great. <laughs> you can't just start somebody on that. So that's a tough question. I mean, if I had to think of something, I, I would I would probably start somebody on like like Harvest Neil Young. Um, just just because it, it's it's very simple. There are only so many tracks. The vocals and the instruments are really dry. You don't have a lot of reverb and delay and all these weird effects messing things up. At the core of it, you have a dude and a guitar, and you he's playing usually pretty simple chords and a beautiful melody and lyrics that really mean something. So, so I, I think, you know,
3: that that would be a pretty good
0: answer for me. That's a hard question though. 11 out of 10 interview question yeah. right there. That's a good one.
3: Okay. Computer, I think is pretty palatable as well. Yeah, hey, yeah, it mm-hmm.
0: is. It's a little experimental, but it overall, it, it, it is pretty might maybe much more so than some of the later albums. <laughs> In a
3: weird way. It's like a really, really esoteric pop album. In a really
0: yeah. weird way. Yeah, in
4: its era, for sure. Um, for sure. I, I, in many ways, hate to say this, but I, I think uh, uh, Tom Waits' Rain Dogs, <laughs> um, Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde, or Highway 61 Revisited, and Talking Heads' uh, Stop Making Sense. Mm. And those would be the three things I would put in somebody's hands. If they were just getting into music, because the exploration of sound and feeling in the three of those albums is just gives a little bit more than just you know here's some microtonal stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'd uh, love to though. Beck- but it, but Har- <laughs> Harvest was a great answer for that too.
3: And on that Harvest tip, I think Beck um, Morning Phase is a really good one it's kind of like almost like a modern day twist on that neil young style from that period you know it's very glossy and reverberous and atmospheric so I, that's a good one to like lay in bed maybe listen to you with your significant other you know it's just a nice time it's a nice time it's an experience And i think like really good albums are experiences It should be like watching a movie or something like that you know it should tell a story so at the very least i think person that's new to music should hear something that is like a a nice work of art like that. It tells a complete story, you know?
2: Yeah. You ease them in with something, you know, simple, but powerful. And then once you get them hooked, then you move on to the space jazz and the crazy tonal stuff. That's the next step. Yeah. As maybe like a second part to that question. Um, at a young age, was there an album or a concert that kind of was an eye? It could even be one that you already mentioned, but a concert or an album that was eye-opening experience, like kind of a religious music experience for you guys? Anything that really opened you up to music at a young age?
3: Yeah. Um, like I said, I played guitar here. When I was a kid, right? And I don't know if you remember, but I, <laughs> one, of, one of them had this song by Glenn Danzig called Mother. Yeah. Mother. It's a great song. Danzig's great. But uh, an older dude that um, like worked at the place, my dad worked where I was playing the game, uh, he told me that Danzig was in this band called The Misfits, right? I don't know if you guys are like punk fans, Misfits fans, but great punk band. One of the best ever, probably. So I got into The Misfits, and that was like, it was over from there, man. <laughs> my life was officially over <laughs> because I had to do music because it really really captured my attention, and then seeing fish for the first time when I was like fourteen was pretty cool because that opened my eyes to the possibilities of live music, even though I had been to concerts before that yeah you know, it was it was just different it was a little more special
2: yeah we'll say something like fish um, a, show, a show like that's almost like experiencing a <laughs> culture seeing you know it's a good way to put it dead and co or further or you know any of these bands fish it's it's literally like experiencing a culture it's like a frozen in time where everybody is just religiously obsessed with a band to the point that i almost criticize it but once you're at the show you're like oh my god i get it um but yeah oliver and jordan do you have uh something on your end
0: i uh I mean, what really started to open me up to music, if we're talking about from a young, young age, I, I, I have to actually, you know, in, in a lot of ways, credit my dad with that because um, he always went for the car with the six CD changer, you know, so he could have different things. And,
2: he, the would, and
0: he would download stuff and burn his own CDs on his laptop. And, and so it would, be like, it would be like the Beatles and then Weezer and then Beyonce. And it would be like no in between, no in between. So your it would dad, just be like
2: your dad listened to, but Beyonce.
0: it was well, he had a song on there. He he would have like a you know he'd have like a current pop song, and then like a song from the sixties, and then an obscure song from the nineties, and then something from the Police he liked in the eighties, and it would just be like, but it it was all good music and in, in what it did, you know. It, it would be, but no, I wouldn't say my dad listens. Listens actively listens to Beyonce, but he he would not shy away from popular
4: music. Mr. Seeger just got called out. Oh, hey, listen, are you that be- listening, Dad?
3: The Beyonce track that's on the radio right now. It's like a. It's kind of like a, a trap type song. There's another lady rapping on it, but mm-hmm. you guys probably know what I'm talking about. It's hot. It's hot radio jam. Beyonce, shout out. Come get us, Queen.
4: Um. So, uh, young age, my dad was very similar. Um, his big thing is, uh, he, he's an audiophile, Look, d- true to form audiophile there. You can't see him, but there's, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine speakers on either side of us all completely biamped, and about all the music you could ever ask for over here. Um,
0: so yeah, we're at I, his dad's house. Yeah, I, so, yeah, we're at my dad's house. Now.
4: Yeah. Um, but I grew up with a very similar thing with that. Um, you know, the police, the class, Zeppelin, Dylan, Cat Stevens. It just, just great, great music growing up. Uh, the thing that sold me, um, just completely sold me on everything was um, I went up. To uh, I it was Conor Oberst and the Mystic Valley Band opened up for Wilco, and I'm I'm a huge Conor Oberst fan. I, I have been ever since I was like 11. Um, big songwriter influence and just very very raw. But um, he came out uh, he he came out with Mystic Valley Band, and they were playing some songs off of and and couple tunes here and there and then the rest of the band walked off stage and as a songwriter um looking back on that i guess as a songwriter everybody left and he is left vulnerable by himself on a stage where you know he's uncomfortable with it and he looks at, at the light guy and goes turn it just shut it all down and all the lights go off and he plays this tune. I don't know if it's something that he had just like written that day. He, he he just plays this tune, a tune I will probably never hear again. And it lasted like three minutes and the whole audience is dead quiet. Nobody is speaking, nobody is doing anything. And he's on the stage and he plays a simple three chord tune and the lights to come on at the end of it. And then Nels Klein walks out and will Cole walks out and it, and then everything blows up, but it, it was this moment of almost solidarity and just introspective nature to every single person in that audience. Everybody was experiencing their own well, experiencing something together, we, which I think happens a lot in like, um, like the Grateful Dead communities, fish communities, you're experiencing something by yourself very introspectively Mm and then experiencing something together. But what was awesome for me was you have this young, anxious songwriter being willing to be that vulnerable and essentially annihilating the brain of 8,000 people in an audience. I, it, to me, it was just one of those moments that that just wow, you can do that. That can happen, and um, that's brilliant. It's one of the most magical things that could ever happen, and you only experience it for that one moment. It that's what turned me on, really, to playing out and really delving into music.
3: Agreed, and I can relate. Shouts out to my dad. I forgot to mention that, but he did li- make me listen to a lot of different music like uh like Motown and Little Richard and all the way to Yes and stuff like that so go dads
2: incredible stuff across the board I I love those those live moments where you know there's certain bands certain artists where if you look at their set list or you go to like a two or three show run you'll see they'll pretty much play the same set through and through, but when you can experience those weird intimate moments of vulnerability and it's, it's kind of like you're either there or you miss out. Those are some of the most powerful moments. So that that's some good stuff. I appreciate you guys sharing all that good stuff. I want you to share a little bit about this, uh, this new black glasses tune. Um, This isn't released yet. So the podcast is coming out on Monday but does that mean the people watching live are like the first people to hear it? Uh, let's talk a little bit about it. Yes,
3: world premiere. Wow, world premiere track right now. Uh, Oliver, give him the rundown on this track.
4: I uh, so, I I I think this was a track that was um, I don't want to say thrown together, but it, it was a little bit of an experiment. Mm-hmm. So I. Uh, what you heard in the beginning of the podcast was, uh, Dionysus, uh, Dionysus assist was the first black glasses tune that we felt really, really good about. And, uh, lyrically kind of co-written and had everything was just bounced back and forth a lot. Like the antibody stuff and black glasses, um, going further. It, I, I think we were just trying to, Hit the ball as far as we could and pick it up somewhere else. <laughs> um, it's a great way to put it. So I we did that. So, so the vocals on the, on this are Kyle, but I I'm I'm playing the synth tracks and the uh, bass tracks, which is something that I'm I'm not I don't do. I, it, it's just not my forte. But what was cool about that was it gave a different feeling to. The track, and we explored a different side of things than we normally do because this is lyrically is Kyle and I'm doing backup, and normally I'm I'm like I'm the I'm the lead singer of whatever band I'm in, which so it's great being able to take over the low end and the backing, and really having Kyle come out front and just do what he actually does really really well. So Oliver yeah. did
3: a lot of good production on it as well. That's a common theme. Like I'm not the producer guy. These guys definitely have the ear for the production side of things. Mixing, mastering, that kind of thing.
2: Cool. And this is called rolling a stone dish, right?
3: Yeah. It it kind of it used to kind of be called Rolling Stone. Just like you know, <laughs> slight playoff of Rolling Stones, but we decided that we wanted to try to have some like super far out names for the songs you know so i'll probably probably nickname it rolling stone but forever, for all <laughs> intents and purposes it's a rolling a stone dish
2: does that name have anything to do with you know any lyrical elements or is it just a goofy fun name
3: it's it's typing something into the computer because it tells you you have to name it when you save it
2: <laughs> honestly
4: <laughs> comparison is for whoever's listening to decide
2: awesome yeah awesome well, I I feel lucky. I didn't even realize we were going to be able to do this, but you you guys get to hear the world premiere Black Glasses Rolling a Stone Dish. Let's listen to it, guys.
3: Friends world premiere.
2: How about that that Fiverr saxophone as well?
3: That is much too good of a saxophone to be getting for five dollars, in my opinion. But I'll take it all day long, every day of the week.
2: It's it's great. It's great. Just a heads up, Kyle. Your screen got a little blurry. I don't know if you got to scrub it or what's going on there. Maybe it's just the angle. But um, yeah, the song's great. It's got uh, it's catchy. It's got a little bit of like a eerie antsy vibe to it i kind of was getting some evil bubble vibes or something i like spooky things that's
4: that's one of the things that i I think you'll find with the progression of the black glasses stuff is everything kind of has this motif of being slightly off-put um and has a little bit of an ominous nature to it and i think that happened by accident and we found our Little niche kind of, but I think part of that also comes from us experimenting on things that we're not entirely sure about. So.
2: It's fun. It's cool. I'm happy. I got to hear the premiere. Anybody who's listening live. You got to hear it as well. Anybody who listens to this as a podcast, jump on the Facebook Lives on Rochester Groovecast because you ultimately get to hear things as they happen. You get like the backstage pass uh, to the recording of the podcast. And um, yeah, you guys fiddle with a lot of different sounds. You play a lot of different instruments. Is there any, um, in terms of gear, is there any like, few pieces of gear or one or two items, anything that if if you had to give, get, let's say you had to give away almost everything. I don't even want to put you in that position. But if you had to give away anything, or if you just had to choose uh, see, I, I wanted to ask if you had to give away everything but a few pieces of gear, but I really don't want to put you in that position. I think a better way to ask it would be if you could just choose, you know, a few pieces of gear, whether it's an instrument, gear itself, technology in the computer, synth, anything like that. What's been the most valuable for you, and and why do you get off on this, you know, particular piece of gear or instrument that that you choose?
0: Um, for me, I, I actually just got my home computer, um, to do all this in, uh, like early March of this year, just before things kind of went, you know, so it was kind of, you know, like, uh, auspicious timing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got that and I started getting into the world of you know, digital recording. It's for me, is it interesting? Cause I had a studio experience, but a studio experience is more, you, you try to play a track and if you mess up, you say, Hey, I messed up. And then they stop the track and you say, okay, I'm good. And then they start the track. You know what I mean? But home recording, I play it. If I mess up, delete, I can, I can do everything. So that was kind of interesting. The most useful tool to me really was the digital audio workstation I'm using, which is Reaper right now. Um, I mean, there are so many great ones out there. I'm not going to say that it's any better than any of the other ones because they're all amazing. But that to me is the most useful tool that I have in my arsenal right now because it's exposing me to this whole world of production and and recording at home. And it comes with a pretty cool suite of its own own effects. You can understand how to use you know the basics: your EQs, compressors, delays, reverbs. It's all right there. So that that was that was really helpful to me.
4: I'm uh I. I... I'm not going to bring up my computer. (laughs) Um, I have one piece of equipment that will never, ever, ever leave me. Um, If I die, it's probably either being buried with me or given to somebody I love. Um, When I first started learning guitar, uh, my father was actually going around and getting... Um, a new guitar for himself, and he went everywhere um, to try to find the guitar that hit him in the gut when he played an opening, and he found a Guild GAD50 that was apparently just the right wood, the right make, the right time, whatever, and he gave that to me as I was learning. That has been the guitar I've written everything on, Um, and that is maybe not sonically, but it is to me the most useful tool in my arsenal because it is the thing that makes me feel the most comfortable in writing. And for me to feel comfortable in writing is the most beneficial thing that I could personally have.
2: Love it.
3: I think I'd have to keep a lot of my like effects pedals and stuff, you know. Um, going back to like Grateful Dead and stuff like that, you know, Bitches Brew, that music is kind of all, it's made a lot more special because they're using cutting edge technology for the time. Now we have a lot of the same things and we have new things that come out every year, but I think effects of all types are the difference maker for me, you know. I think that a lot of people love um, music that's very natural, but I've always gravitated towards the the weirdness, the weird side of things. And, uh, you know, that's what I would keep. And I, and I got a Rhodes piano recently. That That's kind of fun. I would probably keep that too.
2: I love it. I love yeah. it. I want to ask a few more questions, learn a few more things, and I do want to check out that High Pines track that you name-dropped earlier. I'm thinking, so let's say young adult, young musician, they they come to you guys and say, hey, listen, I want to join the evil bubble. I've only been playing for four months. I really stink. Not in a band. Really not even good at all. I mean, I just started playing. I know nothing about business. What advice would you give to this person that's basically just picking up the instrument for the first time? What would you you know tell them to help them through the process and ultimately indoctrinate them into the bubble? Indoctrination um, is good <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, I, To be honest with you I, I would I think I would after COVID of course, I would drag them into the studio and put them around musicians like Jordan and like Kyle and Quentin and people who who know what they know probably not me I, I wouldn't be the best person to teach anybody anything musically but put them around people who really know what they're doing and are willing to help and willing to take an idea it, it, one of the really cool things with music is um we all have our language it, even between like jordan and i we can say one thing and we know what we're talking about in terms of the energy and we don't even have
0: to say anything.
4: Yeah. And that's a learned thing, but but Kyle and I have the same thing. Everybody does. Every musician will talk to another musician differently than they will talk to a different musician down the road. Um, But what's really cool about that is you kind of learn this vocabulary that you can really um, understand what somebody wants From something that they're trying to make Um, musically so so you you can really delve into what they really want to do and you can help expand on it and that's I think the base for the best way for us to help Um, get them around people um, who know what they're talking about get them around people who are willing to help and just want them to do what they want to do and be better at what they want.
2: So. It's almost like you, you get better through osmosis. You start to take in the energy of these talented people around you, and it really speeds up the process.
3: Dude, that is a very, very real thing. Yeah. If you uh, hang around a musician that does things that you just absolutely don't know how to, you're just going to naturally pick up those things. Man. And it doesn't have to be music. It could be anything any art form.
2: Totally. Were you
3: gonna say something there, Jordan?
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say that I totally agree with what Oliver said. Like it's a huge deal to sit in a vocal booth and sing a vocal track. I mean, the first time you do that, I mean Studio we've recorded at and that we're using is so low pressure, but that that does that doesn't even matter because you still have your own personal pressure, and and to do that, (laughs) and you can you can hear yourself so crystal clear in those studio headphones.
4: You can hear (laughs) your guts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you
0: had, if you had, yeah, yeah. If you had freaking, you know, McDonald's breakfast, you could hear that going on but it's a really nerve-wracking experience and so you have to you have to experience it a couple times you can't expect somebody even somebody who's such a talented musician to go into the studio for the very first time and just "Eh," knock it out in the vocal booth maybe somebody with absurd confidence i don't know though i don't know it's it's such its own experience so that would be a very good thing my i would also advise them to to practice practicing is 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 so important and i've recently learned like i said i've been playing piano for a long time but i haven't i haven't and honestly i haven't practiced um rudimentary stuff in a long time and when i went back to practice it i found that it was missing
4: i really hope not listening.
0: yeah no he already knows my yeah. piano teacher already knows that i didn't practice rudimentary stuff and now i can't play basic stuff but I can play complicated stuff. It's really weird. It's really weird how what you don't use, you lose in music. And so practicing is very important. I would recommend them to practice. But like on what Oliver said, also playing around people. Um, You can practice by yourself six hours, eight hours a day, as much as you want, and you still won't be as good a soloist with a band as, say, like Warren Haynes. It's
4: experience. You
0: you won't, because you have to to feel how it is to play with the band and and to listen to the band. As a guitar player, if the keyboard does a little lick, maybe you mirror that. Or the bassist starts going into sort of a triplet rhythm, and you start to mirror the triplet rhythm on your guitar. Or you just feel the energy of the band rise behind you, and so you bring your solo up. Or you bring the energy of the band up with your solo. All of these things are different things that you can't you can't emulate at home you can't teach yeah i mean you you can if you have a full band to teach them (laughs) but then we're back at the same place yeah Yeah, you you have to you have to play with other
4: people it's it's you have to it's experience so bringing the young person into the bubble join the bubble come learn
3: (laughs) we can offer lots to you but also on the practice tip um a, a dude named Kurt Johnson who plays in some Rochester groups, Maybird and Moho Collective and others, I'm sure. Uh, he's from my town and he told me one time a thing that really stuck with me on on the practice tip. He said that it's not necessarily sometimes how much time you spend practicing, uh, but there's also a lot to be said for how much time you just spend behind your instrument. And I think that a young upstarting musician really should think about that because I think that... Rigid practice is something that turns a lot of people off, or a lot of people think that it's hard, or whatever. And uh, if if you don't think about practicing in such a in such a structured way, it might be an easier way to get some people on board that normally wouldn't just sit down and run scales and stuff. But the running of scales and rudiments and stuff is absolutely beneficial. Don't want to downplay that.
2: Totally. So, COVID ends. There's vaccine, we all have antibodies. For whatever reason, we've developed immune systems that are 20 times stronger than they ever have been and shows are at full capacity, if not above capacity. What are some dream locations or dream venues for St. Vith to play in the future?
3: Oh man, I, I went to FLCC in Canadagua, So I walked by CMAQ every single day. And I always stopped and looked at it and thought, I want to play there someday. So that would be.
2: To, I used to play there at like midnight. There was no, <laughs> we would just like play with drums and stuff at midnight. Nice, that's
3: awesome, dude. Why? But I would definitely love to play there. What about you guys?
0: Um, I mean, there's 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 a lot of places I'd love to play. Obviously, Red Rocks would be so cool because it's iconic as a venue. Would be really cool. I mean, we're talking at that point. We're talking huge venues um and also glastonbury
4: um we're really shooting over the ball here guys <laughs> oh you said dream venues <laughs> yeah that's fair
3: i've never played at the bug jar i love the bug jar oh hey
0: hey I if bug we're Barry. talking local oh if we're talking local there's a lot of places hey
4: rochester people we need gigs <laughs> come Whoa. get us rochester there's no gigs
3: right now no we got like six fans we can play for like 12 hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> no,
4: we can <laughs> Jordan will leave after the first four, but yes, we can. (laughs) Five. (laughs) Um,
0: Any dream venues?
4: Yeah. I I really want to do an all-nighter jam in the Dance Tent at the Heron.
0: Dance Tent, Mm -hmm. Great Blue Heron Music Festival. Or that would be cool because they do an overnight thing where whatever band just, they play, all, all the bands pretty much do the same kind of format. They play like what they'd play for a two to three hour set. And then they just start going. Dude, they don't okay. even have to be playing a song. They could be playing G minor for 35 minutes. And as long as they groove, the people groove with them. It's and the it's, it's so
4: damn fun. G minor you've ever oh, in your life.
0: Any, yeah, every, yeah. So that, that's a good point. That would be so fun. That would be so fun.
3: And then on top of that, um, you see like a lot of artists that are able to have their own, their own festival that's something that would be super super cool you see it you see you saw it obviously you know the first big example was uh fish in the 90s and then everybody else started to do it after that and uh now you have even like you know Tyler the creator has camp flogna i think it's called camp wolfgang or whatever but it, it goes across any different genre that you could that you could think of and i think a thing like evil bubble is pretty if we could get a nice following, it would be pretty ripe for something like that.
4: Hey, shout out to Folk Faces Folk Fest.
2: Yeah, Folk Faces. Yes, Fest.
3: shout out. We're gonna do a an interview with um, Tyler from Folk Faces pretty soon Love here. That. Yeah, he's been on, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dope. And um, we'll cooking. talk. We'll talk offline. But I do have a friend who has a beautiful property where um, they ultimately host their own festivals currently it's more private party format because it is limited capacity because of health regulations but definitely could talk offline about at least one very good venue where um plenty of places to sleep good you know accommodations where you could throw something there and uh, we'll talk more about that cuz we would would love to see a festival where ultimately you could probably fill the entire day with just your music, but bring in a few other bands as well. Absolutely. That'd be great. And that would be ultimately Evil Bubbles' goal is to just bring
3: in as many acts as possible. And we're not like greedy capitalist type guys. You know, if we ever made a lot of money off of streaming or something, like we would want to give very most of that money to to artists, you know, if we ever got into the situation where we're actually making a lot of money on streaming and music and stuff like that. That's a, that's definitely a point of emphasis for us. Before we even started really putting ourselves out there, we discussed, like, you know, if we get into a space where we can do that, we'd always be like a thousand percent artist friendly and more about supporting the artist rather than lining our own pockets. Making money is nice, though.
2: Yeah. <laughs> At some point, it's nice to make money, but I've always liked the concept of feeding money b- back into what's causing you to grow in the first place. Like as soon as I have money in, it's fed right back into the cause of what I'm trying to do. So the profit ends up being very small, but the growth is, you know, exponential when you do it that way.
3: Absolutely. That's something that we've discussed at length as well. You know, we're even if we do make money, we're not expecting to make any money, put it that way.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So there's a question I ask every guest and, um, man, uh, the cough, the cough suppressants running low, it's running low guys, um, falling apart. So if you had a billboard on the side of the road, massive billboard in a location that all races, all genders, all ages, all kinds of people, um, get to see this billboard and you have an opportunity Whether it's a short message, an image, a quote, you have an opportunity to control the message on that billboard, speaking out to millions of different people. What would you choose to put on that billboard, and why would you select what you select?
3: The very selfish answer is EvilBubble.com. And we haven't discussed that yet. We do have a nice website called EvilBubble.com it hosts all of the music and the the journalism blog component but uh you know i'm I, sure I, these guys have a better answer than that
4: i i have been thinking about this since i i read the schedule of what we were doing tonight with the interview um jordan do you have an answer
0: um i mean if i was i i would probably just have a simple message and also, you know, evil bubble on the bottom. But uh, practice, write, perform, and be heard. Just simple, modern-day marketing. Periods after every word for no reason. It's All capitals.
3: Inspiring weird Instagram fonts, message.
0: Obscure. Yes. You know, modern Inspirational quotes. Know. But if I was going to have an image or something, I'd have an image, you know, of Miles Davis, and there's a Miles Davis quote um and i'm gonna, i don't know the exact i can't remember the exact quote and he also swears in it so i couldn't put that on a billboard but the long and short of it is the note is only 10% the attitude of the guy who plays it is 90% and that has also mm. meant a lot to me in playing music because especially in studying jazz <laughs> i mean some of the stuff they play you can try to rationalize one way or another but it doesn't make any sense because they they want that. That's what they meant to
4: play. Could we drop some Vonnegut up there? Some busy, 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 or something?
0: Oh, Kurt Vonnegut quotes also maybe a good subject for a billboard. If we weren't, if we weren't being self promotional, just any any old billboard.
3: We could get political with it.
0: Oh man, <laughs> we're live on Facebook right now. Do you yeah. really want to do
3: that? <laughs> do we want to ruin the comment section? Probably not. Hashtag
4: run away from that.
3: (laughs) Evilbubble.com. I would choose evilbubble.com. If people uh, listened more or were more open to suggestions, then I would pick something that would maybe benefit mankind, but people aren't going to listen, man. They might visit a website,
2: though. (laughs) Maybe. And we can put other
4: cool inspirational stuff on the website. So that's a full draw, right?
2: You could just write listen. That's pretty simple, isn't that
3: a, the Miles Davis quote? Didn't he just say, "Listen"?
4: Oh yeah. 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 Or, or you could just say, "We talk too much." Evilbubble.com. Yes.
3: yes, no more talking. Evilbubble.com. Go there now, thanks, friends. Go there right now, seriously. That's what it would say. So, gotta get hip with the millennials, you know, and be be um, be weird.
4: Hashtag. That's what's up.
3: That's what's up. <laughs> Mood.
2: So, what it do? <laughs> you've, got, you've just got one of those scan codes, and it's on a billboard, so it's oh, so QR large. Code. You yeah. get and
0: people are QR. crashing their cars, cars trying to scan it as they <laughs> drive by on the
3: freeway. We caused two hundred accidents. The <laughs> <laughs> we got canceled.
2: <laughs> so, evilbubble.com, where are the other best methods to keep in touch?
3: Oh, we have Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. You can We're very readily available. You can just type in Evil Bubble Productions to uh, your Facebook, or you can send us an email at evilbubbleproductions uh, at gmail.com. You can go right to our website and send us messages. You can sign up for our you know newsletter or whatever. It'll just notify you uh, every time we post an article or whatever. Uh, YouTube, Evil Bubble Productions YouTube. Check that out. That's got all of our videos on it and everything lots of cool yeah. stuff
4: big thing is uh as we're moving forward here and pushing more music and everything else out um youtube is going to be a very good friend of ours um uh, just in terms of uh we're gonna have a lot of content all the single set videos all the singles will be out every friday on youtube please like share subscribe i know you've heard it on every single. YouTube video you've ever watched in your life.
0: That's for a reason, though. You, not YouTube asking. is actually is YouTube. Yeah, you, YouTube telling. is actually a a, <sighs> a solid platform for that. And um, mm-hmm. I know this is streaming live on Facebook right now, but fa- Facebook is, um, you know, they're they're very they're very strict on what you can and cannot do, and they're and they're kind of tightening some of those restrictions. Um, I think we posted one of our videos on Facebook. Um, not shared from YouTube, but actually uploaded it to Facebook and they, they censored the audio
4: and it was one of our tunes. Mm-hmm. It was one of <laughs> actually it was high. Pines. They were like, this is copyrighted. Oh, it was high pines. Yeah, this it was, was a it was physical pines, impossibility
3: yeah. because the high pines music had not even been released yet. Right. We, right. They recorded the, it at the studio. Windfall. They censored
0: it as copyrighted material. And we were like, we, we, copyrighted, we don't own this, but we
3: like kind of we copyrighted oh, yeah. the material. <laughs> we brought this here. <laughs> Nobody so anyway, this before us. YouTube is, is a little more fluid right
0: for that. And, and YouTube, if you do get a good following on YouTube, it really helps to support the content creators themselves.
4: Hey, man, ads go a long way, especially when you're trying to pay the musicians, trying to do, they do. whatever, and they funnel do. money back into trying to help ads really help. And that keeps us going in the future. We're not there yet, of course, but in the future, that will be what will keep us going
0: and, and a little side note about youtube too is if you create your youtube account and you subscribe to things that you're interested in you can just click on subscriptions and you literally have a feed of all of your favorite things right there hashtag favorite. <laughs> sure winning but yeah youtube's a cool platform
2: Yeah, YouTube's great. I ran into this both on YouTube and Facebook, but more so on Facebook. Um, I kind of foolishly was uploading every podcast episode with just photo slideshow. So it would be in video content on YouTube and Facebook. And I swear like half the time they would just mute half of the podcast because of the music on it. And I'm like, I got express permission to use this. So it it drives me crazy. So I've ran into that as well. YouTube is definitely the place to ultimately highlight and log and document video releases. So uh, I totally support that. So it's just Evil Bubble on YouTube.
3: Yes, Evil Bubble on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, type in Evil Bubble, it should come up. But uh, then if you just... Switch to searching for channels, it definitely will come up and probably be the first one.
2: Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I appreciate you guys coming on to chat.
3: Hey man, we appreciate it very, very much. We'll have to do a write up for your podcast and interview you on the website and everything like that. Yeah, reverse
0: it. Uno reverse reverse card. Yeah, interview you.
6: Yeah,
2: I I am totally down. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, for the people at home, tell us about this high pines track.
0: Um, I mean, we none of none of us are actually any of the musicians or songwriters or or really not totally involved in the track. But like so, I, like we said, this is the first artist we've actually brought into the bubble and brought into the studio experience, and then releasing it on the streaming platforms through through us. And I, they bring a really cool kind of uh, jazzy. I don't even know. It's not quite fusion. Indie jazz. Indie jazz. Yeah, it's jazz. like indie jazz rock thing? with mm-hmm.
3: like, like a little bit rock, of a jam indie. band. It's really, it's really cool. They
0: bring they bring an interesting interesting vibe. I was, I was um, happy to have these guys come on and really surprised at the final product. I didn't know what it was going to sound like and then I finally heard the final product and
4: I was like, yes, this is awesome. Kyle, That's do awesome. you want to talk about some of the members?
3: Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Beardsley and Elliot Jackson, the bass player and drummer, respectively, used to play in a group called Stoneclad that played a lot of dead music and stuff like that and recorded an album. And they, they ended up hanging it up. And so uh, they posted, I believe, on Craigslist looking for somebody to collaborate with, a guitar player, I'm assuming. Uh, and this guy named Gavin Valancourt, who's more from your neck of the woods up there in Rochester, responded. They began a correspondence, and this was like a month or two before COVID really hit, so they would, Gavin would go down and jam with them. And, uh, they just, they started playing, came up with a name, called it high Ponds, started writing tunes. Um, they, they contacted us and it was pretty surprising. We, I couldn't believe that somebody actually wanted to uh, work with us and, uh, they had some rough ideas and we just asked them to try to get things into kind of the format that would thrive in a studio atmosphere. And they did, they came up and they freaking killed it, man. They, really did incredibly well and i think that'll reflect on the on the recording and this was recorded at windfall the recording studio we use
0: yeah Um. so listen 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 for that crisp studio quality sound
2: love it so this is jar of bees by high pines yes sir let's check it out guys
1: all right a jar of bees you don't find it it finds you sometimes life is like a jar of bees it's coming around don't know who sometimes laps like a jar of bees you better not run whatever you Sometimes life is like a jar of bees, no matter what it is. Jar of bees, shattered glass, it's coming for me. Buzz, 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 it's a jar of bees all around, all that I can see. Sometimes life is like a jar of bees, looking around, it's me and you. Buzz, 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 it's a jar of bees. No matter what it
0: Listening to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. Share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen. And don't forget to keep it groovy, baby.